0: let's go sunning it's so good for you let's go sunning neath the sky of blue greet the sun
1: every morn feel as free and happy as the day you were
0: born let's go native In 1957, the Supreme Court ruled that nudity in itself is not obscene in regards to the nudist film Garden of Eden. Up until then, any chance you had to see a dick on the big screen was in a stag film. Filmmakers responded. They responded with butts and boners, bush and balls and beefcakes. They even gave us Michael Fassbender. Join us today as we explore the males in the first part of our two-part series, A History of Film Nudity. This is Slums of Film History, a lowbrow look into the high art of cinema. Every episode is an in-depth look into a niche topic of film that is not normally discussed in polite company. I'm Slate.
1: And I'm Tom. In each episode, each one of us researches our respective topic, writes an episode, and then schools the other. We discuss everything from bodily fluids to TNA to exploding heads. If there's a film subject that's too taboo, we haven't found it yet. Welcome. Welcome.
0: Hi, Tom. Hey, Slate. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Just to be clear, everything in this is a dick joke. I'm prepared for that. Okay. And I just hope that you've got your pun machine turned on. I'm going to. It's quite, it's erect and ready to go. Thank you. My pun machine. Good opening.
1: That's all I got.
0: All right. You ready to get into it? Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay. I'm ready to push forward. (laughs) this is this is going to be a good one. Oh, good. All right. Modern America has never really embraced male nudity on the screen. There are really only a handful of films that the public and critics universally accept when it comes to the penis. And even though 50% of the world population has a penis and probably looks at it daily, the amount of films with male nudity are less than 1%. I made up that statistic. <laughs> it um, sounds it sounds right though. <laughs> It's, it sounded right when I was doing the research. Right. and, so, and I think we should stick with it. I'm, I'm, I believe that. Yeah, and even the films that have male nudity have a long history of censorship in one way or another. All right. We're going to go all the way back to the very beginning of film, and that is in 1887. Some of the first films ever made have considerable male nudity. Edward Muybridge was a photographer in the late 1800s, and he was experimenting with sequential photos. So this was before film actually existed. Right. He even invented the Zooprec. The zoopraxiscope?
1: That sounds right. I couldn't... I read it too. I have no idea how to fuck to say that. I don't word. know why I, I was looking
0: at you like, Tom will know this. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I studied extensively the zoopraxiscope. Right. Well, it was a device for displaying motion pictures. It sort of resembled a movie projector. It. You took sequential photos and then yeah. it played them in, in order. Right. And he shot, you know, anything that really moved. He shot babies and people and horses. Um, but when he shot people, he liked to have them in the nude. He actually... Actually, was in some of his own films, but he was very—he was old. He had like—he was like old and had like a like a long, old, gray, like hipster beard. Brave, brave man. Yeah. So he he was nude in his own films, but the types of things that he filmed were like there were naked boys playing leapfrog, a nude man with a big butt that walked up a staircase, (laughs) and a naked man riding a horse. I added that he had a big butt because he he does. He does have a big butt. Uh, We'll put this on the website. Yeah. All right. So we both watched 1911's Dante's Inferno. Yeah. uh, You had to watch. It for your history of female nudity, which is coming up. Yep. This was a huge production at the time. It, it was the first feature-length film screened in America. Okay. And it had female and male frontal nudity. It's kind of a weird Satan hell torture film, and it kind of has the feeling of of like the the George and Smashing Pumpkins tonight tonight kind of. It's very much cut. that
1: jerky but, because that's early movie cameras type. Yeah, that whole aesthetic. It definitely has that. You're right. Yeah,
0: we'll put it on the website.
1: Yeah. Um, it's worth watching. I um, just wanted to say, watching it, they do a lot of interesting effects, even for such an old film. Like forced perspective, mm-hmm. have like the three-headed dog, which is actually you know like a big puppet, and, and but
0: they might have had a dog's body. I don't know. It's, it's actually pretty decent. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's, it holds up. Yeah, it's it surprisingly up. well done. Yeah, obviously the twenties were pretty tame when it came to nudity, but there were a few films that hinted at male nudity, and one of them is called Haxon. The Witches or Witchcraft Through the Ages in 1922 and it's got some female nudity but there is a devil character in it and he's naked and he has women come up and kiss his ass, like actually kiss him on his ass. Which Kissing the devil's ass. So there's devil dick on the movie. There's not really devil dick, it's more implied, but okay. he's naked in profile view oh, and they kiss him so on no, the ass. no horned devil dick no. that you can see. Okay. These were just the features. This was just what was shown on screen. Sure. Men had been disrobing for years on the so-called stag or blue films that circulated in the 20s, 30s, and 40s. I'm gonna do an episode on stag films. You probably should. Because they're fascinating they're fascinating but stag films are are as old as film history itself yeah. some of the first things that were ever filmed were, were was sex yeah, yeah. And the, the way that this happened was people would film these, would film sex scenes, usually with a little plot, and then they would circulate throughout men's clubs and college fraternities and stuff right. like that. It was very underground. Right. And groups of men would sit around and watch them and I guess, like, whack off. I like, guess but they'd be in bathhouses, too, and shit, like, overseas. So yeah. They'd have them in all these places. So I imagine, yeah. But not whack off together. They probably watched it and then went off and whacked off somewhere yeah, and thought like about joke. it. Probably, that'll be part of your stag show. Great. You can research that. You can see the oh, one of the first stag films that exists. It's called Grass Sandwich or A Free Ride. <laughs> In it, the man—you can watch it on YouTube. A man picks up two women. They go have sex, and then all three of them have sex. So that's the grass sandwich. Makes, and I guess yeah. it's out on the ground, like outside. Is mm-hmm. that, yeah, it's oh. under a tree. Uh-huh. Oh, okay, gotcha. It's not—it's an old film, so sure. it's not particularly erotic, but it's—it's it's worth seeing. People back then had sex, apparently. That's what I heard that. All right. In the 20s, John Barrymore and Rudolph Valentino were the two biggest sex symbols. Right. Um, But they were very sophisticated. It was, I call it L'Amour sex symbol. I think that the best beefcake back then was Johnny Weissmuller. Okay. He was a six foot, three inch Olympic winning swimmer when he broke into Hollywood after being a BVD underwear model. Huh. He was approached with the role of Tarzan in mind when the director, W.S. Van Dyke, asked him to take off his shirt and then, in quotes, looked him up and down, and much like a horse doctor examines a sick animal, he said, this is the man we have been looking for. Wow. Gotta love old Hollywood. Yeah. Weissmuller could not act at all. And mm-hmm. he knew that. He yeah. thought that it was laughable he was going to play Tarzan in a movie. But but the reason W.S. Van Dyke liked him was because he was comfortable wearing almost nothing. Uh-huh. He said, Most actors without clothes are undressed rather than naked and are too self-conscious to act naturally. He was a swimmer, so he was used to being dong out in front of everyone. Dong out. And luckily he didn't really have many lines beyond me, Tarzan, you, Jane. He did not invent the Tarzan roar he did so uh, i pulled a clip he he was kind of the tarzan yeah. many actors played him before many would play him after but the oh, was his that was his that was creation really good, by the way thank you, did you. A really good job on that oh So bear with me. This is researchy and I'm going to go quickly through it because we're going to talk about the Hays Code so much. In I this. talk about it, mine as well. Yeah. The Hollywood studio system was starting to get a bad rep by the early 1920s. A lot of religious and political organizations were starting to object to the low decency standards the studios had. And yeah. there were ta- the tabloids were going crazy because of the murder of William Desmond Taylor and then the alleged rape of Virginia Rapp by Fatty Arbuckle. Oh, yeah. According to the Catholics, Hollywood was going to hell in a handbasket. Mm -hmm. Plus, a 1915 Supreme Court case maintained that motion pictures were not covered under the Free Speech Amendment. That meant that the government could technically legally ban a film at that time. The studios did not want the government in their business. So they banded together to censor themselves before Washington could do it for them and they created a list of don'ts and watch outs, which set the guidelines for any film produced by a major film studio. At this time, the studios pretty much own their own theaters, so it wasn't like an independent film could be made and then screened. The studios were the only ones making films because they were the only ones showing films. Right. Once they started to enforce the code in 1934, do you know what the first one they censored was? Which one? It was Tarzan and his mate, so it well, was actually... Shit. <laughs> It was a Johnny Weissmuller film. Um, It was the second of the two. And they actually, his mate, Jane, had an Mm -hmm. underwater swimming scene of which she was nude. Yeah. And that was cut out. Consequently, the Hays Code would also see to it that Johnny Weissmuller's skimpy loincloth got more and more conservative in his next 10 Tarzan films. By the time Tarzan and the Mermaids came out in 1948, it was like he was wearing cargo shorts. Yeah. His loincloth was so got more and more covering covering wearing a pantsuit by the time they were done yeah for the next 20 years things went on without a hitch in Hollywood in fact the production code years are known as the golden age of Hollywood and most film historians credit the code for making that era so great 1939 alone saw the release of The Wizard of Oz Gone with the Wind Stagecoach Mm -hmm. Mr. Smith Goes to Washington Young Mr. Lincoln Wuthering Heights Goodbye Mr. Chip and The Roaring Twenties so that was all just in 1939 yeah good films classic films But soon, things started to fall apart. Yep. In 1948, a Supreme Court decision stated in a nutshell that the Big Five studios were running a monopoly on motion pictures and that they were not allowed to produce, distribute, and screen films at the same time. So all of a sudden, a theater could now show non-Hollywood films, or at that time foreign films. So let me ask about that. So in other words, the studios owned theaters. They owned
1: everything. Okay, So they they were theater owners. They were, of course, producers, directors, everything. Right. And they just monopolized the whole from start to finish the film industry.
0: Correct. And remember that directors and stars were worked within the studio. So it wasn't like, right. It wasn't Mm -hmm. like you could make an MGM film and then go over to Columbia and and make a film over there. The studios owned you. So they had, they were running the entire film industry within, within five studios. But that got broken apart by the Supreme Court. Totally broken up. And then in 1952, the Supreme Court reversed the decision of 1915, which meant motion pictures were now protected under freedom of speech. And then in 1957, the Supreme Court ruled that nudity in itself is not obscene. I'm kind of whipping through this because no, we'll go right. into more detail and, and you've, you'll you take a chunk of it too. Yeah. So all of a sudden, it obviously took 10 years or so, the Hollywood studio system basically fell apart. Okay and hollywood movies started to lose money for the first time in history films were feeling the competition from television which had a much stricter set of guidelines and why go see a purient film you know in the theater when you could sit at home and watch purient tv for free yeah really Hollywood needed to get audiences back in the theaters. And big-name stars, lavish musical numbers, and great writing wasn't doing the trick. So what do you think would get people back in the theaters? I have no idea. Sex. Oh. <laughs> nice. Let me tell you about the birds and the bees and the flowers The stars in the sky but technically, at that time, and no one really knew how far you could push the boundaries, right. you couldn't put sex in films. But you could put nudity. Nudity, right. So I'm going to talk a little bit about nudist films now. Okay. We'll talk more about nudist films when we get into our further episode, Doris Wishman. But nudist movies were kind of a technical glitch in the system that could allow you to have nudity on film. Nudist documentary films had started to sprout up in the 30s before the production code had been enforced and were commonly exhibited in traveling road shows. So this could be like in the, when you would go see the circus. You know, they would pull you. Adults could go into a tent and watch a nudist film and technically that was legal at the time. Yeah. They were educational films. They usually consisted of footage of men and women bouncing around outside with an extremely heavy-handed narrator continually explaining why the film was not obscene so that if, if, you, were a pol- if you were the police, you were watching the film, the narrator was telling you, like, don't arrest the person that's, you know, that's showing you this film. Yeah. Most nudism films in the late 50s and early 60s were mostly female-centered, uh-huh. and they didn't show full nudity. There was always beach balls and stuff covering, you know, penis and vag. The Raw Ones in 1965 was the first nudist film to actually show full frontal male nudity. The Raw Ones.
1: Presenting for the first time on the screen a new way of life Filmed with the conviction that the human body unclothed and unfettered is one of nature's truly beautiful sights and With a belief in the essential wholesomeness of the human body Regarding it neither as an object of shame nor as a subject for degrading exploitation That sunlight and air are vital to human life and well-being And that exposure of the entire body to these elements is desirable at such time and such places as are fitting and proper for the purpose see for the first time as never before filmed the complete story of the joys of the unclothed body against the sun and the wind the invigorating freedom of an
0: exciting uninhibited way of life the people in it were jumping rope playing volleyball, boating, sunbathing, jumping on a trampoline, and generally being awkward in front of the cameras. The Raw Ones is 70 minutes of men and women doing naked things while a narrator reminds us that there is nothing wrong with the human body. Of course, there's no sex in nudist films. That would make them obscene. There is, however, lots of bush, male and female. There's also no fatties, no oldies, and no (laughs) uglies. There is nothing evil and obscene about the human body, unless it's an uh, unattractive one, apparently. Apparently. All right, so for viewers of the Raw Ones, this was the first time they had seen a penis on the big screen. In fact, director John Lamb had a lawyer present at the Los Angeles Theater in case police came to bust the film. They never showed Huh. Um, but The Raw Ones was actually one of the last of the nudie movies. A lot of people would say that it was the film that kind of jumped the shark and kind of killed the genre. Because by that time, people were starting to put sex in movies. Yeah, There was no law that said you couldn't. There was just a law saying that nudism in itself is not is not obscene. I Am Curious Yellow in 1967 is universally known as the first mainstream film to show full frontal male nudity on the big screen. You know the film? Barely. I don't know enough about I know you have it. It's, I do. It's, it's very boring. It's <laughs> originally three and a half hours long and it was split into two chapters, yellow and blue, and that's based on the colors of the Swedish flag. The first one, yellow, was much more popular than the second one. I've never watched it all the way through because right. it's just – because it's boring. So, um, so how much dick is in it uh, per running time for, you know, for the three hours? How much of that is dedicated to dick? Not much, but there is a good amount of male nudity. In okay. It. American viewers that sat through the film through the first 40 minutes of Swedish political upheaval would see a flaccid penis for about a second and a half. Then a few more very quick flashes. Huh. About two hours in, a woman butterfly kisses a man's flaccid junk a couple times. You can't really see much because there's so much bush. There's just so much pubic hair back then <laughs> that it just masks most of right. most of everything. There's a naked fight slash sex scene where they stand up and he flops around a little. And then at two and a half hours, both characters, male and female, come out of separate changing rooms totally nude. They're treated for scabies by being brushed in a milky shellac while someone plays the banjo and sings about DDT and freedom for a late 1960s Swedish film there's a there's a decent amount of nudity it's not just the normal like i thought i saw a penis like there it's legit yeah Needless to say, this was a huge scandal at the time. The film was seized at U.S. Customs under the Tariff Act of 1930, which states that customs can seize any material coming into the U.S. that it thinks may be obscene. In 1969, a federal court decided that it was obscene, but a U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals reversed that decision, and they declared that the film was not utterly without redeeming social value. You hear about this all the time. Right. Not without redeeming social value, and that's the kind of thing that, that makes a pornographic film different from a film that has pornographic content. So if you have a film with redeeming social value, you can have dick. Exactly. All right. So I Am Curious Yellow was immediately released into mainstream theaters, and it was a huge hit. Mm -hmm. It had been making the headlines for two years, and finally America could see what the fuss was about. Remember that this is two years after the musical Hair had its actors and actresses remove all their clothes in the end of the first act. Nudity was all the rage, but it wasn't in the mainstream yet. I Am Curious Yellow was the sex movie that you could take your wife to. The critics were divided on it, but it didn't really matter. People wanted to see it so that they said they could. It didn't really need to be good or bad. It eventually ranked in almost $8 million at the box office, which made it the 12th most popular film of 1969. It even got a spot in American film history and is referenced in The Simpsons, Moonlighting. Even Don Draper took Megan to go see it in Mad Men. But it's important to note that I Am Curious Yellow was not the first film to have full frontal male nudity, it was the first mainstream film. In 1960, there were at least 20 theaters across the country that were playing only adult films. This could be anything from nudie cuties like Russ Meyer's The Immoral Mr. T's, rough trade films like Olga's House of Shame, or softcore films like Ed Wood's Necromania, which usually featured a decent amount of male and female nudity and simulated sex. Foreign films had been filming male nudity for decades and sending them to America, where the scenes were entirely cut out to cater to the MPCC. So in the UK, the first films containing male nudity were This sporting life in 1963, including possibly it's hard to see Harry Potter's Richard Harris. (laughs) The student protest film If in 1968 was controversial because it had male nudity, including Malcolm McDowell, who would go on to do nude scenes in Clockwork Orange a couple years later. He's not shy showing. No, this This is also the year John Lennon and Yoko Ono released their experimental album Two Virgins, where they were completely nude on the cover. Ken Russell's Women in Love in 1969 was especially controversial. There was a nude scene between, super homoerotic, between Oliver Reed and Alan. Bates. But the interesting thing about it was he knew that they were going to shoot that film in full nude male penis like flapping in the wind kind of thing. Right. So he got the chief censor at the time in the UK, John Trevelyan, and kept him involved even having him on set while they were shooting. Wow. And it's kind of obvious because in the scene they're in front of a fireplace and they're about to do their nude wrestling. The lighting changes when they're actually nude. Like it gets much, much dimmer. It's obvious. And John Trevelyan said later that he had asked for them to make the lighting dimmer he was really concerned that the movie was gonna that the scene was gonna come off as super super gay which it does so (laughs) he had he had reason to worry yeah Interesting. I think Women in Love got an R rating. There, it's sometimes hard to tell to go back and look at films like that, especially if they're foreign films and they came to the U.S. But the only three films that got an Oscar nomination that were X-rated were Last Tango in Paris, yeah. Midnight Cowboy, and Clockwork Orange. And Women in Love actually got nominated for Best Director for Ken Russell. So that would lead me to believe it got an R rating and was shown in an, in the U.S. with an R rating, huh. even though it had full-on uh, male nudity. Gotcha. So I'm gonna go out on a limb. I did a lot of research. It's When you're doing film research, it's really hard to find the first film that ever did this one right. thing. And I could not find anywhere that said the first male nudity film in America was this. But I'm gonna say that The Last Picture Show is the first mainstream Hollywood R-rated film by Columbia Pictures to feature full frontal male nudity. And that is when Gary Bruckett exits the pool fully nude. Also, Randy Quaid, isn't it, nude as well? You um, kind of have to like blink and you'll miss it, but right. you can see it. Okay. And Last Picture Show was a pretty great movie. Like yeah. it was a that was a highbrow film at the time. Hmm. And then the floodgates opened. The Golden Age of Porn or Porn Chic hit America like a ton of bricks. It did indeed. <laughs> So most people credit Deep Throat as the first wide release, no pun intended, feature-length pornographic film. Yeah. That is to say it had a plot, it had actors and actresses and credits that were displayed in theaters legally. Yeah. But two films would predate Deep Throat, and the first one is Mona, the Virgin Nymph. Huh and the gay Fire Island porn Boys in the Sand, which may be the first major porn pun since it was borrowing the title from William Friedkin's Boys in the Band, which was a which was a gay movie. Right. Uh, Boys in the Sand was notable because it was the first porn to ever get reviewed by Variety. They loved it. Wow. And even got a sixth of a page ad in the New York Times, which was unusual at the time for an unusual. X-rated film. Hmm. It was soon followed by Gerard Damiano's Deep Throat in 1972 and a slew of imitators. Um, Damiano would release *The Devil and Miss Jones* the following year, which most critics regard as the best film to come out of the Golden Age of Porn. Okay. Needless to say, these were full-blown porn movies, which left nothing to the imagination. Right. So it wasn't there was nothing simulated about this. This was penetration, oral sex, like you know, mouth and vagina. (laughs) But except for *Boys in the Sand*, which was all male, the main focus of Porn Chic was the actresses, mainly Linda Lovelace, Bambi Woods, and Annie Sprinkle. But some of the guys, a few in particular, would go on to be pillars of the porn community as well. Right. Those were guys like John C. Holmes, Rick Cassidy, and Ron Jeremy. Mm-hmm. In fact, Harry Reems was prosecuted by the federal government merely for appearing in Deep Throat. Really? But we'll talk about that later when I do a full episode on the golden age of porn. I'm excited about that. Porno chic at least temporarily opened the doors for male nudity in Hollywood films and beyond. In fact, the 70s in general were some of the most openly phallic years in film history. The 70s saw its first boner from Tatsuya Fuji in the X-rated film In the Realm of Senses. Right, Jean-Michel Vincent skinny dipping in 1974's Buster and Billy. And Peter Firth being all weird and in love with horses in 1977's Equus. Mm-hmm. And even A-list actors Robert De Niro and Gerard Depardieu got naked in bed together. They were fully frontal in the film 1900, which was directed by Bernardo Bertolucci of Last Tango in Paris fame. Okay. And even David Bowie and Rip Torn were both naked in The Man That Fell to Earth. Nothing you have seen or heard
1: about David Bowie will prepare you for the impact of his first dramatic performance in The Man Who Fell to Earth.
0: A slew of films in the 1980s would feature male nudity, most notably Christopher Atkins in Blue Lagoon, alongside a f- body double of Brooke Shields. She was only 14, 14 at the at time. The, time. Yeah. the film was about two shipwrecked kids coming of age sexually on a deserted South Pacific island in barely a loincloth. He was kind of, I call him the modern-day Johnny Weissmuller.
1: I remember that movie and just... Quick
0: anecdote that was on like Movie Channel like, like every all fucking the day. When I was a kid. I, it was always playing, and it was kind of an inappropriate movie to be. I mean, I guess it wasn't. It was they were they were young and innocent, but they were cousins too. Oh, I, rem- I don't remember. Any they were of just that. like naked cousins running around like doing it together and having a baby. Right, yep. naked cousins. Speaking of Christopher Atkins, so he went on to do Playgirl. He was in a few other terrible movies with nude scenes, like A Night in Heaven with Leslie Ann Warren, where Hmm. he plays a Chippendales-style dancer. Mm -hmm. And he even had a kind of hit song, How Can I Live Without Her. still practices nudism in his 50s, actually. Good for him. Yeah. Also in 1980, it was Richard Gere in his first nude scene in American Gigolo. Oh, yeah. I, I consider this the first mainstream American film with an A-list actor to have a full male nude scene. Right. Um, he said in a recent interview that it was actually his choice to do the nude scene. It wasn't required in the script to, to show his penis. Uh-huh.
1: Um,
0: he only accepted the role after John Travolta dropped out because John Travolta had a nudity clause. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Which you're going to talk about. I will mention those. Porkies in 1981 and oh, yeah. sequels had a good amount of male nudes. Not surprising considering the name of the movie is Porky's. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the characters' names is Meat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember Meat yeah. in that movie. And in one of the movies that you gave me for Christmas, mm-hmm. Basket Case, oh, yeah. the lead character runs down the streets nude in a, in a dream sequence. Interestingly enough, Basket Case is on my list of top 25 movies of all time. Uh-huh. But we'll talk about it a little bit more in our further episode about gross babies. Okay. Things would really take off—that's and that's such a bad pun— in the 90s where male nudity started to work its way into the plots of films as opposed to being just a quick flash of nudity like sure. Richard Gere. The the two most notable movies I, I say is The Crying Game because that oh, yeah. was a plot point um, which we'll discuss. But also it almost took its plot point from the movie sleepaway camp.
1: Oh yeah, sleepaway camp. We so do let's a whole discuss show it. On that.
0: Yeah, let's discuss it for a second. Um, if you haven't seen the crying game, there's a huge spoiler in the middle of it. Right. Where a character you think is female takes off his robe and exposes that he's male. And it was a huge deal it in was the a 90s huge deal because the time. no one knew at the time and people kept the secret. And the actor also was not known at the time. Right. So, it was a no-name actor. Yeah. The director had chosen him for his look, you know, that he looked like a female and right. could and could play a female. And he was nominated for an Oscar mm-hmm. for his role, which kind of let the cat out of the bag. But at that point, if you hadn't seen it, then you probably weren't going to. So. Right.
1: Care of the crying
0: game. But in Sleepaway Camp, <laughs> it's Fucking also, Sleepaway Camp. Oh, oh God, it's, it's such an amazing movie. Yeah, uh, If you haven't seen it, that's really, you really need to watch Sleepaway Camp. I guess we won't reveal what really happens at the end of it because it is kind of a shocker. Well let me tell you, spoiler, you can go ahead and just tell him. At the end of the movie, you think that this little girl that's at sleepaway camp, I say little girl, she's probably 13. Yeah, for, yeah something. 12 or, she has pubic hair, so 12 or 13. And at the end, they reveal that the killer, it's a slasher film, the killer was this little girl, but she's standing there nude and she's a boy instead. And the reason why she's fucking crazy is because her her the, the woman that raised her wanted it to be a girl so they he so she raised her as a girl yeah, her daughter time. had died and so this girl
1: came to live this boy came to live with her and,
0: and the crazy woman made raised her as a, she, a, a, a guy, raised she him said, as a girl she said she'd always wanted a daughter yeah, so at so. the end the the last shot of the film which is freeze framed is her standing there but she has a penis and it's a boy
1: but and you know truth be told that's just icing on icing on top of a crazy cake of a movie because uh, there's so much fucking
0: crazy shit in that movie it's absolutely a fantastic film i agree like, with you you on didn't that. I, you don't think i don't think you loved it as much now i loved it when i was
1: young and that kind of fucked with my head a little bit um, yeah. when i was real young and then watched it again with you and i had a lot of fun yeah and that was a good one good. so and spoiler for sleepaway camp
0: yeah the simplest way to use a penis in the movies is through kind of like a a visual one liner Right. so that's something like any given Sunday as Cameron Diaz is walking through an all male locker room and there's a big there's a big black dong in it Um, (laughs) it's kind of used as a one liner Uh, there's the guy that runs out of the house naked and sideways when he finds out the guy's sleeping with his wife Ken Jeong jumps out of the trunk of a car in the hangover or even in Forgetting Sarah Marshall where Jason Segel is getting dumped but he drops his towel and is standing there naked and that's part of the uncomfortableness and the funny, it's a funny part in the movie.
1: It's used a lot for comedy now. Mm -hmm. Um, Observe and Report, I don't know if you had that listed, but the movie, it's uh, with um, Seth Rogen in it. Mm -hmm. Not a bad movie, I I think, but there's a very long chase scene that involves a a man who was a flasher in the mall Mm -hmm. and
0: and right. he's running yeah.
1: basically in slow motion while Seth Ruggies chasing him and Dick's swinging in the wind and it's a very you see a lot of slow motion
0: Dick yeah but it's again it's, to be it's funny. used it's a, as a comedic funny. plot point right. sure Note that many films don't include the actor's real junk. A lot of them use prosthetics. Huh. Everything from Dirk Diggler's porn star-sized Dong and Boogie Nights oh, yeah. to Jonah Hill masturbating in The Wolf of Wall Street. Right. I just watched this movie, The Overnight, which is Jason Schwartzman wearing a prosthetic big mm-hmm. and Adam Scott wearing a prosthetic small. And that's kind of like the one of the main jokes of the movie is that one of them's got a huge dick and the other one has a very small dick, but they both wear prosthetics. Diego Luna in Itu Mamatambian kind of wears a prosthetic penis because in the movie he's supposed to be circumcised and in real life he's not. Gotcha. So in the scene with him and Gail Garcia Bernal, like in the shower, he had to wear a prosthetic penis so it would look like he was circumcised. Huh. Chris Hemsworth recently was in the remake of National Lampoon's Vacation. Right. You can even see it in the red band trailer. He's walking around in like underwear, and he's got this huge giant dong in it. That's you know like <laughs> not showing. It's in his underwear, underwear but so like you can see it. Can it's huge see the, dong. The impression of his dong in the underwear. And John Cho of Harold and Kumar fame um, gets his dick tuck, stuck to a flagpole. That's a prosthetic. And that's in the Harold and Kumar Christmas movie, I think. Yeah. Okay. So that's pretty much the history. But here are some kind of modern champions that we can discuss. Um, Andy Warhol used male nudes a lot. And kind of Joe D'Alessandro it was his muse. Joe D'Alessandro was kind of a gay icon. He was a straight man. But mm-hmm. um, he was naked in trash, flesh, and heat. Okay. Andy Warhol did not make mainstream movies at the time. So uh, yeah, it okay. wasn't like these were the films that you could go to a multiplex and see. Sure. But Joe D'Alessandro was a, was a huge kind of beefcake in the um, in the gay world back then. Okay. Um, Michael Fassbender and Shame. I think at this point probably has the most infamous nude scene, and it was only a couple years ago. Yeah. But if you haven't seen the movie, it's the opening frames of the movie. He walks out of the bedroom to the bathroom, dick swinging, and it's, it's 100% dick in screen. You know, I mean, the whole frame is taken up by dick, you know. <laughs> An um, IMA- IMAX dick. Yeah. NC 17, of course. Of course. Ewan McGregor, numerous, numerous nude scenes in movies. Yes. So, first one in Train Spotting. He did a movie called The Pillow Book, which I actually have at home for my Netflix DVDs. I watched it a while ago and remember that it was very boring. So, okay. we'll see if I like it this time. Yeah. He was nude in Velvet Goldmine. Yeah. We mentioned gail garcia bernal he has three nude scenes the science of sleep ich Mamatambien*, and bad education as well okay judd apatow was a champion for has been a champion for yes. for nudism yes. in movies kevin bacon in hollow man and wild things oh yeah for, i remember hollow man yeah two memorable ones mm-hmm. um the director pierre pasolini did salo which we'll talk about at some point when we Correct. talk about poop and The Canterbury Tales, and Emil Hirsch was naked in Into the Wild and taking Woodstock. I've got some runners-up, too, that have had some kind of famous nude scenes. Oh, good. Ones that I certainly, back in the day, I think, with my VCR, tried to, like, pause so I could get right on the frame. Edward Norton has a quick flash in American History X when he's um, beaten up in the showers. Yeah. Have you seen that? It's been a long time. I can't remember if they raped him or not, or if they just beat him up, but anyway. Jude Law, as he's getting out of the bathtub in The Talent Mr. Ripley and it's like super gay Matt Damon is like trying to like catch a glance of him too they're playing chess in the bathtub and then he gets out of the tub and Matt right. Damon's all like let me see that dong <laughs> speaking of Matt Damon Ben Affleck in Gone Girl just recently and that one right. really kind of caused a stir because you could see him very very brief but it, I remember seeing it in the theater and and missing it like I didn't I didn't know. Well, I was this. in. Th- I watched it with you and yeah. I don't that's right. We it, saw Gone you know? Girl at yeah. the film festival I, last year. Girl. Jason Mewes. I did not know this. So Jason Mewes is Jay of Jay and Silent Bob. He is the guy and Zach and Miri make a porno. Have you seen it? Uh. Uh-uh. At the end of the movie, he walks from his bedroom. They're sharing an apartment with him. He walks from his bedroom to the refrigerator. Hmm and he's completely naked, and then he bends over, t- and so you see like butthole, balls, and penis like all lined up in a row. And it's obviously played for comedy, but that's right. Jay of Jay and Silent Bob didn't know that. Tom Hardy was full frontal nude in Bronson. Do you say Cillian or Killian? I say C- Cillian. Cillian Murphy in 28 Days Later. Jason Biggs in American Reunion. He They walk in and he's nude, and he takes a pot cover. What do you call those things? A- yeah, like a uh, yeah, I like know, a you, lid yeah. to cover his junk, but the lid is glass, so you can see right through it. So right. it just really smashes his um, penis against, him, against or, it, and yeah. it's full frame, so you can it's the entire the entire screen is taken up by glass smashed penis, right? Which is funny. Yeah, Michael Pitt and Lewis Garrell in *The Dreamers*, and Kyle MacLachlan is naked in the closet in *Blue Velvet*. Oh yeah. That is a history of nudity, male. I've got what some runners up. Yeah.
1: Well, okay, so I got some runners up for you too, and I don't think you ever saw this, and you should. But Vigo Mortensen uh-huh. in Eastern Promises has yep. a nude fight scene. That and is, and it's a long nude fight it's scene. It's a very long nude fight scene. It's incredible. Yeah, and uh, you gotta. Be pretty confident to be in an all-nude fight scene.
0: I I agree.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I it it
0: leads you to the question of. It's brutal
1: too. I mean, people are like knifing him and shit.
0: It's, right. It's a good scene. I understand certainly why. If I were Michael Fassbender, I would want to be nude in a movie too. Because if that's what you've got to show for yourself, <laughs> that's pretty impressive. And you got an Oscar out of it? Did he win the Oscar for that? He did not. Oh, no. sorry. Well, he, people, got I don't think he got strong. nominated. I think he I thought he did
1: get nominated for shame. So
0: I'll play the clip. But George Clooney like made a joke at the Golden Globes when he yeah. won for Best Actor. But that was the Golden Globes. I don't think he got nominated for Best Actor. But I'll I'll look it up.
1: I'd like to thank Michael Fassbender for taking over the frontal nudity responsibility that I had. <laughs> really, Michael? Honestly, if you can play golf like this with your hands behind your back. Go for it, man. Do
0: it. Viggo Mortensen is not as impressive in size as, uh, as Michael Fassbender. <laughs> so you do have to be confident to do it. I mean, he chose not to wear a prosthetic, which it was bold of him to do so. It's a, it's an interesting scene. Well, you
1: know, like maybe people were assuming, okay, uh, the camera adds five pounds. Maybe they thought it would add, you know, more to the, your junk. Maybe also, so. You know. Huh, oh well. At least you got to be pretty confident. But that, I think, was a, a definitely a memorable male nude scene. Yep. Uh, you know, you research is more more than I did. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: So, well, we picked topic. We we I chose male and you chose female for a reason. Right. So. Yeah. But uh, no, that's fascinating, and it, it's
1: and it's interesting too. And you can debate nudity altogether all you want, and I touched the other side. I touch on the other side. <laughs> when it attended, you touched on. I touched on a lot of nudity on my topic, which we'll discuss coming up next. But I keep thinking of that movement that's out now. The like free the peen free the, and free the, the nipple free the nipple mm-hmm. and if you were looking at it that that versus say okay if you were going to compare topless male nudity and topless female nudity clearly topless male nudity far outweighs anything you've ever seen in a movie sure, for sure. but of course topless female nudity is considered obscene Topest male nudity is not. Right. So, I mean, otherwise Tarzan would be banned because even though his loincloth, he's bare-chested the whole fucking movie. Yeah. You know, but no agenda there. I just – it's interesting to note.
0: It's interesting that a a bare-chested male can be in a G-rated movie, but a bare-chested female can barely be in a PG-13 movie. That's true. It's it's not fair.
1: Yeah. And it's an interesting topic that could probably stand to get its own show, but – you know we just you can uh, have that one i don't want to talk about that i got, I got <laughs> enough stuff going on with female nudity that i think will cover my topic but uh no this is fascinating and i it's really interesting and i think it also shows, and I talk about it in mine too, The you know it's gone from um, risque to exploitation to there's a certain legitimacy in certain nude scenes that add credibility to a performance. So Michael Fassbender was like, oh, he bared his soul as he bared his penis right. for a film, and that's a bold move. And, and I think that kind of carries over to female nudity I'll talk about too. But I think it's, there's a legitimacy now to nudity in film done right, I guess?
0: I mean, I think... Or it's looked at that yes. way? Yes, and, and that's the interesting thing about the crying game. is that that was considered to be critical. The critics and the public all agreed that that was was the right thing to do in that scene. If it had just been like, oh, I'm not a woman, I'm a man, that doesn't – they needed a shocking moment in that movie. And that was a lot of the reason why people went to go see it, was to see that shocking moment. I I can't really think of a lot of other performances of where the critics have – have said this was a highbrow thing to see a penis on screen. Right. Usually it's used as comedic value or mm. a giant prosthetic to, to make a joke, you know. Right. Especially in the case of someone like... Jason Siegel? Yeah, Jason Siegel. Yeah. Mostly penis is used as a joke or, you know, in a sex scene. But it's interesting because men and women look very different when they're nude. Like mm-hmm. a, a beautiful woman, you know, standing there in a, in a pose looks regal and 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 gorgeous and statuesque. A man with a penis looks ridiculous. Doesn't like, look ridiculous. men look so stupid when they're naked. Uh, yeah. It makes more... It, it makes sense that women are... That female nudity is more accepted just because they look a lot better than we do. Right. We look stupid and humiliated most of the time. Yeah, Unless you're uh, Michael Fassbender. Right, and then that's a whole different thing. Then you get a critically acclaimed performance. Yeah. Both you and your penis. So... All right. Well, that's it. I hope you enjoyed our episode and join us next week when Tom closes this series out with a history of female nudity. That indeed.
1: Join us next time. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Slums of Film History. You can find us on the web at slumsoffilmhistory.com where you can find links to some of the movies we talked about today, as well as Bad Movie Monday, our recommendation for the worst of the worst films every Monday night.
0: Please, please, please fact check us. And if we left something out or got something wrong, let us know in the comment section of each week's topic. We're not professionals, just two friends that love gross movies.